Fantastic Book Club. Ready? Three. Three. Two. Two. One. One. That was spot on for me. Okay, good. Because it wasn't for me. Oh, oh that's I so weird. It's so weird how that happens. Yeah. And uh, it's also weird because then when she lines up the the recordings, the rest of it flows fine. So yeah. I don't... Yeah. It's like, but it's because, yeah. like, if I'm, whatever, a couple seconds ahead or, like, a split second ahead, when she shifts it back, everything shifts back. Uh, and but I, I feel like I'm reacting to you in real time. Which I is, know. Isn't that the weirdest part? It must be, weird. like, the smallest <laughs> split second. Yeah. And also I think that, like, if, okay, if we did not line it up, I'm sure that the reaction time does seem distant because, I don't know. I think that, like, you and I, when we're normally in person, would probably talk, tend to talk over each other just a little bit at the end of our sentences, whereas, like, there is specific, clear spaces between. That's so true. Because (laughs) remember when we tried to do the other podcast in person? And editing it was a nightmare because we would just, like, start talking as the other person was finishing, interrupt each other, like, do – just talk about other things that are happening in the room instead of staying on topic. Yeah. It's probably better – oh, God bless you. Thank you. It's probably better for our recording to be apart because we – No, don't say that. (laughs) We're going to do this together. Okay. Well, let's keep in mind the things we learn while we are apart. So when we come back together, we don't, like, wear jingly bracelets or, like, eat donuts on air (laughs) or um, talk about Rocky. Or say like a lot. So many likes. Or having clean breaks after sentences. I don't even know if we still – we probably don't do that now, but – no, we do. I, I feel like we do that pretty well. Anytime that there's been something that I'm like, get rid of that chunk because that was irreverent, it's been pretty easy. I mean, I'm also not the one doing it, so <laughs> easy for me because I'm just like, get rid of that. Do some magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zhuzh it up. I'm not even involved in the editing. <laughs> I don't even have say. That's true. Sometimes I let her keep in stuff that makes you look bad and me look good. I'm kidding. I don't think that there's much of that anyway. Um, it's I like, could not possibly look bad. <laughs> uh, maybe not look, but maybe sound. No. Oh, okay. I refuse. Okay. The other thing that's probably good is because right now we're recording our voices on two separate things. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if we We're do talk, get, yeah, sorry, just like that, when we talk <laughs> over each other, she can cut out one the person who's like interrupting, or like she can cut out the extra sound. Yes, but what we can do is get headsets. Yeah, like Britney Spears. Oh my god, my dream. So I saw a TikTok today, which is where I get my news now. Yeah, from communist China. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I saw a TikTok that was a guy who used to be Britney's photographer who read a letter that she had gave him in 2008, right after when she went on tour, her world tour after her break, like after her um, meltdown. He went on tour with her and he was like, here's a video of me and her together and like, him on the balcony with her and the photo that he took like a video of someone on the ground videoing them and then he included the photo he took from the balcony um as evidence that he was yeah and it's it's his only tiktoks he doesn't have any other tiktoks um but he was like basically just say like it wasn't very easy to understand her letter like I'm not really exactly sure what she was saying but what he said after reading it was that he doesn't he's really worried about her she does not have her own autonomy over her life 
And one thing that was in the letter was she was constantly being threatened that her kids were going to be taken away if she like acted out basically. Also, I think that the person who is in control of these um, decisions and, and threatening her is also her dad. Yes. Yeah. How crazy. Yeah. I feel it, very it, bad. Like, absolutely. But, you know, we do talk so fast when we're together. Mm. That'll be good, though, because sometimes we drag on. Go on. Yeah, we get more to the point. I feel like also there's just like a better chemistry when we're in person because because there is. I'm sorry. Do you not think that there's chemistry? There's right amazing now? chemistry right now. But I'm it's wearing like, makeup. What are you talking like, about? <laughs> I showered for this occasion as well. Um, there, no, there is amazing chemistry. Obviously, we wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. But it's like this is like stable science, and when we're together, it's like mad science. What did you say? <laughs> nope, nothing. I take it back. And did you say that's it. table science? <laughs> I said stable science. <laughs> like stable <laughs> basic science. Like you plug the two things into the potato and it makes a light bulb go off. Whereas like when we're together, it's like, oh, you like do the explosion that oxidizes copper. Like Sorry. I'm just saying that our in-person chemistry is explosively great. Um, okay, but you said it in such a nerdy way that Stop. I didn't know no. what you were talking about. I've been accused of being a nerd, like, at least three times this week, and I, I am a nerd, and I know that, but for some reason it still bothers me a little bit to receive that feedback. Well, I think there's, like, a negative connotation. It's very shameful, like a shameful word. So People use it in a negative <laughs> way. No, I'm just having an intellectual discussion. I'm not a nerd. I'm an intellectual. So. I hate you so much. <laughs> I didn't even read books before we started this podcast. I still don't even read them. I listen to Audible. <laughs> Speaking of which, I have to order a book for next week. I'm going to get it in a what book are we doing? copy. 1984. That's what you had suggested. Oh, yeah. And I have that. I will start reading it. And though it does put me to sleep. Oh, wait. I'm trying to get it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a cover on it. Um, oh, that's so intellectual of you. Yeah. So it puts me to sleep, but I will genuinely try to read it because I want to. Okay. And because, you know, we have to. Um... <laughs> And I don't know what this is, but a bookmark from someone else who read it. I was talking about bookmarks with my roommate the other day. Sorry. Sorry. I used to have such cool bookmarks. I don't really use bookmarks. I fold down the page. I use Audible, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, for, like, how self-aware and how much I love to do, like, self-work, love Brene Brown, love to, like, you know, dive in deep on my subconscious and why I respond the way I do. I also just love to talk shit. I honestly think that it's never going to go away. But think about how healthy we are being by using this as an outlet to talk shit about fictional characters instead of other people. We're so healthy. That's and true. good and great. That's true. I also, though, I want to say, I don't think it devalues friendships when you say that you like like everyone. I think it's more meaningful if there are people you don't like and you just commit to not liking them and that's fine. You don't like them. It is more meaningful to the people that you have in your life. Wait, I've, I've been doing that. I'm just validating us for yes, okay, okay. talking shit on people. Yeah, yeah. I what think, I'm saying is yeah. it's good. And cuz we're not two-faced. <laughs> we don't pro- like we don't talk shit on our friends. We Yeah, I think that's horrendous. That makes me feel so yeah. sick to talk when I hear other people talking shit about the people that they're then like completely nice to makes me yeah. feel so awful. 
and I don't like do I don't like when people try to broach that with mm. me like yeah yeah no but I will say I do recognize the difference between venting about a difficult situation and talking shit I think there's yes. it's a yeah. fine line and sometimes it gets crossed but as long as you know someone is venting to you and you can respect that they're venting then that it's different. It's right. easier to not it, yeah. hold them accountable and be like, wow, what do you say about me behind my back? Yeah. It's also the difference in conversation because in a talking shit conversation, what you're doing is this person does this to me and I'm a victim of their actions. Whereas a venting situation is these are the actions that took place and this is how I contributed. This is how the other person contributed. And I really want to resolve this and I need your help to like mm-hmm. process some of these things. Yeah. There is so much more receptivity in a venting session than there is in a talking shit session. Like, I don't, there's nothing helpful about talking shit. All you're doing is trying to um, soothe your own ego when it's somebody that you're friends with. If it's somebody that you're not friends with, is not in your life, and you're just reflecting on the shitty things that they did in your past, like Goop Lady, um, that is fine and also cathartic. But if it's somebody who's, like, actively in your life and going to be in your life moving forward, it's so much better to just be like, hey, you're also friends with this person. Can we talk about this thing? Because I'm sure you've gone through this, too. Or if it's somebody who's not friends with that person, the only people that I tell about, like, the problems I have with my friends are my therapist and my sister because my sister is also a therapist. And I talk about it in a way that's like, I need your help because, A, I either can't see what I'm doing wrong in this situation or be, I know what I'm doing wrong in this situation and my ego is getting in the way of me apologizing. Yeah. And that is the only context that I think it's appropriate to talk about, talk shit about your friends. Yeah. Which is, like, not really talking shit. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like, I don't know. I have a lot of sisters, so it's really great to, if I'm mad at one, talk to my other sisters about it because <laughs> I think we all know the understanding, like, when we're mad – about something, it doesn't mean I expect that sister to also then be mad at the sister I'm mad at. Like, I don't expect that. I just expect her to listen to me, play devil's advocate. Sometimes I don't want feedback and I just want to vent and get it off my chest um, and then potentially ask for feedback later. Sometimes though, like, I feel like I get upset about things and need to get it off my chest and then have a good night's sleep, maybe a good shower, and then I'm over it. Like, and it's, like, something that, like, maybe I don't even have to bring it up because, like you said, it was probably something that I was doing wrong or, like, I was probably wrong in the situation and at the very least wrong in the way I approached it or, you know, communication, whatever. Um, But... I do love to talk a good shit talk. I like a good shit sesh. Oh, the the other thing I was going to say, though, how you said, like, um, it's shit talking is like you're the victim. I do not feel like the victim of this See You Next Tuesday. Yeah, because She is a victim of her own life, and I don't don't have pity for her. I think, but I guess I probably do still have some scars from her. Yeah, and also, I'm more talking about a situation where you're actively staying friends with the person that you're talking shit about. Like, any time that I feel like I've been in a situation where I talked shit and I felt awful afterwards was because I was victimizing myself for no reason. There was no reason for me to say that I was subject subject to somebody Mm -hmm. else's actions because I was an equal participant 100%. Yeah. So, the... Yeah, so, I mean, in this situation, like you said, you still have scars, but I we're not putting ourselves in the position of, like, victimhood. We're more just commenting on how fucking awful she yeah. is and is. Yeah. Girl, I'll drink to that. I've been drinking all night, but... Cheers. <laughs> Shout out Willie um, Superbrew and... Willie Superbrew sponsor. New England-based companies yeah what are they yeah they're, uh, sorry I, nothing I was gonna say like where are they from I think I don't know 
Yeah, they're from Rhode Island. Oh, but it says Rhode Island and East Boston. So both. Oh, cute. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if they're probably close to uh, down east. The I think they are. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I love that for them. <laughs> I love yeah. that for them. <laughs> Lexi said that to me the other day when I saw her. She, I was telling her about my undefined relationship and she was like oh I love that for you in like the most genuine way (laughs) I sound like a c-word when I say it but oh we're just getting rid of the word cunt now no I don't know I just felt too I felt like I'm trying not to have negative self-talk and oh yeah was like too much to call myself (laughs) (laughs) full out Really full-bodied, call yourself a cunt. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's too much. I did earlier when before we started recording. I told you I apologize for being a cunt to you. Mm. But I think I think of it as a term of endearment, depending on what the context is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always use it like in a bad way. My sister hates that I say it, and a lot <laughs> of people don't like the word, but. I use it in a way that's like, I don't know, like it's in a negative sense. Like I love to call people cunts, but like in a way that, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know what I'm doing. Who am I? What am I talking about? I felt like it was not, the way that it was used was not degrading because it was kind of in place of being like, forgive me for my mistake kind of thing oh any about me yeah yeah and I think the thing is too I feel like I use it in a way that's at least my intention is not degrading my I see when I call someone that of them being like um very calculated and not degrading at all like they know exactly what they're doing they are very smart they are making the exact moves that they intend to make. Yes. Um, the, and more so of, like, they're being cunty. Yeah, it's it's an empowered position to be in. It's just kind of saying, like, don't misuse your power. Yes, exactly. I guess that that's exactly right. It is people who are in a power position who are misusing their power. It's kind yeah. of the same way of using the word dick. Like, yeah, true. Like because someone it's also- being a dick is always somebody who is like being in a power position, talking down to you. Mm-hmm. It's different than cunt because I don't think dicks are as um, smart. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of also a little bit the calling someone a dick is also kind of being like you're being entitled and you're kind of just like brushing over my reaction or my intention here. Whereas yes. like being a cunt is like you know exactly what you're doing and you're fully aware. And yes. Fuck you for doing that. Yeah, you have and the power and you're using it to, for evil. Yes, and when you're saying I'm sorry for being a cunt, it's kind of like saying I had power over this situation, and I'm sorry that I abused it. Yes, exactly. Because, yeah. yeah. like, cunts are powerful. Yeah. You just got to use them in the right way. Yeah. Power pussy. Um, pussy power. Pussy power. Um, yeah, and now we've said cunt about 50,000 <laughs> times. So you could have just said it in the first place. Cunt, 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 cunt. <laughs> Let me get a clean cut for you. Cunt. Cunt. And okay. a nice hard T on the end of that. Yeah, we like to enunciate that. Yes. Um, anyways, should we talk about should, this book? Or about like the book. do the introduction? Yeah. So yeah. this is the Sarcastic Book Club um, with Marielle and Angelica. Sorry, I introduced you. Is that weird? No, I think that's fine. I was okay. going to like insert a little like, hey guys, but then I was like, that's dumb. But, yeah. Also, we yeah. have an intro now, right? Yeah, so we do. We might even we cut all this lovely... out. Yeah, we can probably cut just this part. Okay. We have a lovely intro by my friend Rob. He's great. Yeah. His guitar playing was great. It's 
great. Everyone is gonna love it. And if you don't, you're a cunt. <laughs> you're abusing your power. Do not abuse your power. Listen um, to the damn intro and love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this week we are finishing our review on the what is the book called again? The, the Brief and Wondrous Life of Oscar Wow. I, I was I was never there with remember it. I was the words. It. Okay. I always want to say curious, and I don't know why. I'm still curious about this fucking book anyway. Okay. But. Well, let's cut to it. I'm so over it. I did not even Thank like, you. Oh I my god. I think like at the beginning, the first half of it, and actually we listened to more than half. The first mm-hmm. half, like I said last week, it felt like a soap opera, like a drama that I was like kind of es- escaping into. I honestly wasn't even really listening to it critically. I was just listening. Shout out Audible. I wasn't listening to it critically. I was just kind of listening to it as I like cleaned my room and like went to the grocery store like as a drama going on and I did not even I I really had to force myself to finish it because I was just so tired of it I didn't even care towards the end I was like not interested I kind of don't even remember exactly what happened so I have a few very specific problems with the book let's hear them the first being that Anytime a situation is introduced where it's it gets to be um, important action within the book, the author describes it or the narrator describes it as the most extreme version of that situation. So, for example, when they describe Belly, mm-hmm. they describe her as the most beautiful with the best body and the most... It's so extreme and so exaggerated that it starts to lose its weight after the first time it's said. Mm. Because then every time after that, there is this exaggerated, totally uncalled for, um, monumentous effect around situations that don't need it. And then you kind of lose context of what actually should be important. Yes. Um, And that's exactly the soap. Op- or soap opera yeah that's the word right the yeah. soap opera feeling that's yeah. exactly it it's like everything is so dramatic and at the beginning I was like oh love this like yes I'm so into it tell me more towards the end I was just like I don't care like I don't care what you guys are talking about yeah. I don't care about like the most beautiful girl that Oscar's ever seen I don't care that he's finally lost his virginity like, I don't care. I don't care that he gets into all that drama with that girl. Like, what even yeah. was that? It just... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that also just frustrated me because it was also... The way that, that that Oscar was killed off was so unnecessarily dramatic and also yeah. so self-fulfilling prophecy. He knew what was going to happen every step of the way and then just kept playing into that situation in a way that I did not feel bad at all. I was not sad to watch, to hear, or, you know, that the story developed in a way that killed Oscar off did not even bother me by the time that he died. I was so aware that it was going to happen from the first moment that they brought up that she was married. Yeah. Um, There was was nothing after that. There was nothing that I was surprised about there was nothing I even cared about I didn't get attached the only character that I was really attached to was Lola Mm -hmm. and Lola basically just fucked off of the book she like yeah what even happened to her like she has a kid how like that wasn't really explained and then also you find out that Junior's the narrator the whole time Uh, uh, shrug huh 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 like, it just is so, I did not like it. No, neither did I. I don't recommend it. It has a great title. It started out great as a soap opera. Honestly, 
I don't really know what more to say about it because I just didn't like it. It was like way too dramatic, way too stereotyped, way too like over the top, just too much that like you said, by the time Oscar died, unfortunately, and I feel like uh, Khan saying this, but I didn't feel bad for him. Like I, I, I didn't everything care. was like too yeah. much the whole time that that was like, well, why would I expect anything different? Like, yeah. Yeah, because it's also the thing of, okay, so the second thing that I had a problem with it is um, the, the language used, not just in the fact that, like, the N-word was used a lot of times, but because he is a narrator addressing the reader, it felt out of place to do that. And that was yeah. my problem, was that who is, who is your target audience here? Yeah, who that's exactly a great are question. Who be, is the target audience? Right. Who are you trying to be approachable to? Because the thing is that, as well, there was there was maybe like a handful, and I want to say like seven big like SAT words that were used. The same seven words throughout the entire book: morose, um, irre irrevocable, um, like ambiguous. Um, there was like seven big words that were used throughout the book and that was it the rest of it was like colloquial easy to understand easy to listen to like that's that was the point but intentionally there's these words inserted usually from coming from oscar's mouth but it was like who are you trying to access here there were some words that like i didn't really know i could figure it out because of context like i didn't really off the bat know what the word meant and like i'm fairly well read and like who are you trying to be accessible to who yeah are you who's uh, I feel like on it like are we reading books that are meant for teenagers studying for the SATs me <laughs> like because I have heard great things about this book like I didn't know very much about it I didn't even know the whole storyline I just read the description and I was like, this sounds great. Like love to switch it up, like not read about white men, very over white men books. Sorry, 1984, you'll be up next week, but maybe after that, not anymore. But I was just like, I, you're exactly right when you say like, who was the audience? Cause it was not me. Like I, I was not the audience for that book. Yeah, exactly. And so, okay, let's say that the audience is, I, I, I don't even want to imagine. I don't know what the audience is meant to be. Yeah. In addition to these two, two elements that we've just talked about, there are also so many references to Lord of the Rings and Star Trek and these things that I, at some point, I really didn't know what they were referencing. But things that, like, who are you encompassing here? Who? Yeah. This is such a specific narrative. And, like, you were addressing, you were act, you're referencing, like, oh, this shit was, like, Gollum on the way to, like, with the ring on the way to Mordor. Like, who, who was reading this? And then it's like, dropping yes, the N-word. Like, look, yeah. what are you doing? Like, what? I didn't, yeah. I don't feel like I belong to either of those <laughs> communities. Yeah. Either community or both community I don't I'm not accessing that in a way that like makes sense to me yeah but I also want to say I think both you and I we try to read books that aren't necessarily like that we identify with but like books that we can understand and like empathize with with this yeah. I couldn't empathize with it it felt like everything was like not either overly dramatized or like not described enough have you ever um and it was long as fuck so fucking long have you ever had an interaction with a friend where all they do during that in, like interaction is just like talk about anytime you hang out they talk about like their friends who are separate from you and like their interactions with their friends and you're just like yeah that's cool that's interesting but I have nothing to contribute because I don't know what's yeah. going on I don't even know these people and like that's great I can help you through the stuff that's like relevant to you but if you're just gonna like gossip about stuff that's gone on between you guys I can't contribute and that's what this book felt like that is spot on could not have a better 
description of this book. It yeah. is having a friend who's kind of annoying that you're trying to talk to and constantly they are gossiping about their other friend group. Like basically like kind of bragging about these other people and it's like cool like what are you talking about? And then like yeah. using big words, using like triggering words, using like very over overly um what am I saying? Overly sexualized words to describe women, like very, um, what's it called again? Machismo. Very machismo. Like, anyways, I don't, I think the thing is why I don't feel empathy. I don't want to be friends with him. Like, yeah. I don't want a friend like that. I don't want a friend talking shit on all their other friends. Especially if at the end of the story, their friend dies. Like, yeah. And also the fact that, like, also just the language around, like, women. In that, like, if you're just going to talk about the women, especially knowing that, like, the, the narrator doesn't treat Lola right, even though he loves her. And it's just, like, kind of this, like victim of his own self-fulfilling prophecy in that way like no you're not you all you needed to do was not sleep with other people yes hello hello like hello that was it she loved him and like they were compatible in so many senses and he just slept with uh, like if he hadn't slept with other people that would be fine and like and then somehow you're supposed to feel bad for him that he's not and like feel feel happy for him that his daughter or that her daughter is in his life or something. And like, I, that was very random. That whole part of the story was very random. Very like, I thought that I missed something and I, I genuinely went back because I was like, wait, I must've zoned out and missed an important part. I didn't miss anything. It was just randomly brought up. Like, yes. Why so? I felt like I missed something when Oscar went back to the DR. Like, the way that 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 part starts feels so immersed in already him, like, being... Immediately after he arrives, he meets the woman and starts, like, having this relationship with her. Yeah. And it goes so quickly from, like, he literally had only ever talked to one other woman before. So that felt a little, like... I don't really know where I'm supposed to be getting my footing right now. Like, I feel yeah. quite lost in whatever the fuck is going on. Like, I 100% I like agree. Honestly, I feel like the author had written so much that he rushed through the end and just skipped details to finish the book, which is, like, very obvious, like... And it's not even well written throughout the rest of the book. It's just like, what did you just like have a deadline that you had to meet? And it was like, oh, good enough. Like, yeah, it seems like it's very specifically written for him to like smooth out some like aches and pains that he had growing up as a boy. (laughs) He's validating his own immaturity. Yeah. Well, and it's making an excuse not to be self-aware. Yeah. And, like, yeah. disguising being, making excuses for yourself as being self-aware. Right. Like, also the whole mongoose thing never really got resolved. What mongoose Mongoose thing? with the gold eyes. Oh. Wait, The what? fact that you just said, like, oh. Like, what it, was that? I don't even really remember it. When Belly was taken to the sugarcane fields and be- beaten <gasps> to, like, an inch of her oh. life, a mongoose with gold eyes appeared. And then that happened to Lola in another situation and then to Oscar in a... He, in when he, this author does not know how to write. <laughs> Hot take. Keep that in. <laughs> Don't cut that out. You I think me. that he would have... I think he would have been better off not trying to, like resolve his own issues his own immaturity his own problems with his own issues yeah I think you're right I do I will say like since your sister's ex-boyfriend 
um, related to him and like felt like like loved him as an author, that's his crowd. So maybe he's writing these books for because he didn't have books like this. I don't think it's the right voice for, I mean, who am I to say what is a good voice for people, especially people that I don't, I've never seen Lord of the Rings in my entire life. I'm not from the Dominican Republic. I'm very far removed from that mentality, but it just seems so, like I was saying before, like self what what did I say before? It's like, um, sorry, I'm like slowing down. <laughs> Could you tell? What, it's at 10 p.m. after two hours of talking? I can't imagine why. <laughs> it's, um, fuck, what am I saying? He's writing in a way that's very much disguising his own excuses for himself as like self-awareness or like bluntness, like, oh, I don't care. Like, it came off as if he didn't care. And like, yeah. it just was like, what is going on? Like, yeah, I just did not get the way he wrote. I didn't get it. Yeah, because what I had said last week, and I don't think it's, I think it's less about, I really think it's less about like the culture of like growing up and being from the DR, because I think he really played into stereotypes that, I, I don't know. I just felt mm-hmm. like it was reading that was like it made me angry because I was like, this is not a whole um, spectrum of representation of like how life is. Like that's not yeah. that's not fair because I feel like I've heard all of these stereotypes before and like read all of these stereotypes before in contexts written by people who were unaware of this community. Yeah, um, I think he's more writing for the like nerd boy who like never had a relationship that that's the like niche group that he's writing for and not to say like I was a nerd girl um but like yeah I I get it kind of but I also like never I never felt bad about it I just was like okay so I eat lunch with the teachers that's okay at least I get good grades like there was no point at which I had to like to my guidance counselors (laughs) Yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I I ate lunch with the teachers. Like, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think, there's no part of me that, like, needs to make excuses for, like, why I wasn't cool. Like, I don't need to blame other people for why I wasn't, like, uh, a prom queen or whatever the fuck. Um, Yeah. And also, and it's not something that I miss. Like, I don't miss not having that. Like, there, there is literally nothing I can do about not having that. I really can only move forward. So I'm going to. Like, I, I don't want to make an excuse for who I was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm only going to, like, try to make it work for who I am now. Yeah. 100%. Well, I think that that... Not all men are like this, but I think a lot of men are where they are a victim to their circumstances. And until they can have a situation that kind of pushes them out of it. They just live that way, a victim to their circumstances. Like things just like fall into their lap or like happen to them. And they disguise it as being like a (laughs) go-getter. This is a hot take. But like, and I do think that a lot of, I know a lot of people, a lot of men who are not like that, who are very much go-getters and very much, not victims to their circumstances, but I think it's more likely for a man to be that way for longer than for women. I think women, when they're in high school, they go through things that wakes them up and tells them, and if it's not in high school, college definitely gets them there to when they're in their young 20s, they are now driving their life. Where men, I just think it takes them longer to get to that point because- things do fall into men's laps a little bit more. Right. And also there is this like whole idea of the patriarchy that also contributes to the idea that everybody should be doing stuff for the benefit of men, specifically white men. And, you know, and then there's that whole gradient that comes after that. Yeah. And I do think well, also, sorry to cut you off, but like the whole idea of 
women mature quicker than men, it is because women have to mature quicker than men. Right, because like, there's this idea that, which I'm glad that you interrupted to say that because there's this idea that you learn nobody is responsible for you. Nobody yes. is responsible for your success. Nobody yes. is responsible for your help. Except your for safety. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. You have to rely on yourself. yourself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that is something that I don't think really gets communicated to men. I do Sometimes think it never some gets point, communicated. Yes. But, uh, sometimes but are, it never gets communicated. But yeah. a lot of men, I know, even like men in their late 20s going into the 30s are going through that right now. Where yes. it's like, I went through that already when I was yeah. 21, 22. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And and not to say that this isn't also – it does also happen with women too. There is also yes. women that I know that are going through this right now in like their or never early 20s. Yeah, or never go through it. And that's not All, just like really pigeon – everybody. Everybody yes. can go through it. It's just – All so we're saying societally. is it's yeah. – Statistically, I don't have a statistics – Taking just, a real hot take out of well, Miller. No, 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 no. I do think it's more likely for women, majority of women go through it earlier than men. I think it really doesn't just, mean all women do, yeah. but it, the majority of them do. And it doesn't mean yeah. men don't because some men do mature. But our point about this is just that he is, the author is not taking responsibility <laughs> for the fact that like he is responsible for his own life. So are yes. all of the characters in this book. Yes. You cannot constantly be a victim to the circumstances happening around you. You can't constantly be a victim to, like, what? The, the fucking gods and the Foucault? Like, no, you can't constantly... That, that's not... Yeah. You can't constantly be your excuse for what's yeah. happening. And, and, like, there's a way and, of recognizing outside circumstances without using it as an excuse and rather as more of, like, a challenge or a reason to divert and not, yeah. like, oh, this happened and so now I'm this way. Like Right. Because also then it also is the thing of, like, Oscar cr- clearly didn't learn anything from the love interest that's he, that he had. Because if he had, he would have learned that there will pro- most likely always be somebody else. If it mm-hmm. doesn't work out with somebody, yes, that sucks. But there's going to be somebody else. Instead of, like, learning from that and, like, making that character be a character of growth, he just, like, clung to this idea that he was going to be with this older woman to the point that he would sacrifice his life. Yeah. Which was, like, for what? They, like, barely even got... Why were they so connected? Because Because yeah. Oscar was just, like, a horny virgin? Like, that's the only thing that I could really identify as, like, that's their connection. Like, yes, they, they talked a lot and blah, 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 but also she was... She was also a sex worker, so she's also, like, trained. Her profession is to, like, validate other people and to make other people feel good. Mm-hmm. So that really doesn't tell me anything about their relationship, that they could, like, have these long talks about, like, their childhood. Boat. That is literally yeah. her profession. She's, she's yeah. that's People she's literally will pay sex workers to sit with them and vent to them. Yes. Yeah. Like, that is a thing. So. So. It, mm. uh, you're right, though. Oscar does not have a legitimate connection to her. Like, he just lived, live fast, die young. Like, he just lived in his own bubble of his own world, like, not really caring about anything else except this woman who he wanted to sleep with. Yeah. 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 Done. Done. And Don't. that's a fucking my, my recommendation is don't read the book mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do it don't waste your time I would say don't rely on it as a validation piece because that's not healthy this is not a healthy validation piece what do you mean validation piece like if you're <laughs> a nerdy boy <laughs> yes don't yes that's exactly right this is right. not yeah if you love Game of Thrones if you're 16 if you are a virgin, maybe chubby in high school, bullied, didn't really fit in. You may relate to things in this book, but these are the toxic traits and the toxic characteristics of those circumstances. They are not the healthy way to move on. This is indulging in toxic toxicity. 
Yes. I also was like, okay, I as you were talking, I was having my own thoughts and just like, you know, processing what you were saying and <laughs> consciously waiting until Yes. Okay. Love that for me. Um, Love that for you. <laughs> that, you know, you were saying you're you're excluding a gender from this this recommendation. However, how do you read this and not think that it's written for a straight cis man? You can't I that's the only person that it's written for. Yeah. I'm honestly, sorry, I just ate a tater tot. I'm honestly embarrassed that last week I said I liked this. That's how much I hate it now. <laughs> I am doubling back, going back, rewinding, hopping in a time machine, going back to last week. I hate this book. Do not read it. Even more so, hearing Marielle's take on it. I understand why I hate it so much more. And now I hate it more talking yes. to Marielle. So yes. I, is it weird that I was saying Marielle and not you? I feel like I'm talking no, to our important. audience. Okay. Yeah. Our audience needs to know the distinction between each other. Yeah. Angelica. <laughs> Marielle. Um, anyways, I just want to double back. I hate this book. Don't read it. It's the worst. And it will make you feel angry. And it's probably going to be one of those books where you're like, oh, like so many people, like I barely hear about this book, but like I see it everywhere. I feel like people don't talk about it, but like I've seen it. Audible has been suggesting it to me for some reason, which is like weird, <laughs> but I guess I'll go for it. No, don't, don't do, do it. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you are questioning your path in life if you are in that 16 year old chubby virgin there's nothing wrong with that that's fine live there that's fine read exactly. the alchemist read, read the, the alchemist, alchemist. Uh, read embrace the alchemist who you are it really doesn't fucking matter after high school oh it my does god not uh, matter i found a letter that i wrote to myself at 18 to my 14 year old self and it was i just loved myself for writing that because I don't, I have no reason. I have no idea why I wrote this letter. I don't, I can't figure out like what the reason was other than just like, I probably was like in my feels and mm -hmm. I was like in ecology class and needed something else to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, the letter was basically, um, to my former self. And it was like, please stop worrying about what people think in high school like it does not matter as soon as you graduate it literally doesn't matter you are perfect like you are fine the way you are you are beautiful you're smart you will get through this everything will be okay it will it's gonna be okay and reading that now at 25 to read back at what my 18 year old self was I hadn't seen this since I wrote like wrote it I don't remember writing it at all um, and it had so much more weight to me now than it did when I wrote it. And it was beautiful because it's true. It's fucking true. Like it yeah. does not matter. High school is such a small part of your life. If this is like, I, I, I don't know who our listeners are or are going to be. Um, but it really is such a small part of your life and it feels monumental because there's nothing like it up until that point in your life that is anything like what you're going through yeah that doesn't mean that what you're going through in high school isn't valid it truly is and it really does shape who you become but you have to understand that it is so temporary in comparison to the rest of your life and you are in control of how you let it shape you yes you are yes. in control of your circumstances things can happen and you can react you choose how you want to react to them yes and you have to understand that even when it feels like your reaction is being dictated by the opinions and actions of other people, at the end of the day, again, it is temporary. Even mm -hmm. if they react poorly, obviously there are circumstances where like that reaction might be way more extreme for some people than others. But you have to understand, like, if the reaction really in the grand scheme of things is not uh, life and death or like does not cause you physical harm or emotional harm 
you have to let it go and do exactly mm-hmm. what you feel is comfortable for you. Because the sooner you start to learn that, like, you're the only person that's going to look out for yourself, the better off you're going to be down the road. Because once you can look after yourself, you can look after others. Mm-hmm. Once you can put that energy into others, you start to make really great relationships. Yeah. And in my experience, just move away. Just fucking move <laughs> just away. Just move away. Just, just if, move away. If you go to college, pick a school that no one from your high school goes to. Yes. Go somewhere different. That's what I did. I wanted to start over. I wanted a new slate. I didn't, I wasn't like Oscar in high school. No offense. Sorry, Oscar. But like, I just didn't fit in. I just didn't have a click. I just was different and felt like an outcast and felt very sad about that. So I intentionally, when I was looking at schools before college, as a, that's a privilege to be able to do, but I chose to look somewhere far away that nobody went, that yeah. I didn't know anyone there. I like kind of knew of some people, like very, very, very acquaintance wise, not friends with anyone there um, and just moved. And started over, and I loved it. It was difficult. Yeah. College has its own difficulties. And everything we just said about high school can also be applied to college. Absolutely. <laughs> and but- it can also be applied to any point in your life. The cool thing is life goes on, and you are always in control of your reactions. And, and the, yeah, the more steps that you take to start to control the little things the easier it gets and the more control you have of every cycle that you go through of like, mm-hmm. yeah, if you find yourself in a shitty situation again, then move. It's going to be so much easier the second time than it is the first time. Then it yeah. is, then the third time is easier and, and on and on. Mm-hmm. And then also you get these amazing experiences of having lived in several different places, whether yeah. that's literally just moving out of the place that you're in into a new home across town or like, moving to a completely new city. Mm-hmm. I will say though, and I think I kind of do this with moving, don't use that as an excuse to run from your problems. Right. Of course. And if you have acted in a way that we're being preachy, but if you have, I'm preaching to my former self, just so yeah. everyone yeah, knows. This is coming up. Yeah. If you have acted in a way that's not in line with who you want to be, you do not have to find closure with those people that you acted that way with. Mm-hmm. It may feel like you want to. It is not necessary because the world is huge and you do not owe anybody anything. Like, yeah. it's circumstantial, but recognize when it is better for you to leave a toxic situation, remove yourself from it, and focus on the people in your life who do love you and who are there for you. Right. Rather than also, the toxic people that you want to love you. Yes, it's also the thing of don't own other people's shit. If, if somebody else is trying to project onto you, like, their holdbacks or their transgressions, don't, don't own other people's shit because mm-hmm. you're just going to end up with like a whole fucking pile of shit that you have no idea what to do with because it's not yours. Yeah. It's not your emotional baggage. You can't take that on because you have no idea how to process it. So don't own it for other people. Yeah. And take what's yours and move on from that. You can't. It is 100% okay to set boundaries with people. Like, yeah. And to tell them if they are projecting onto you <laughs> or... And we're saying all of this, all of this, we had to learn through experience. And if you are listening to this and you are like, oh, I'm 16 and whatever, you guys don't, I guarantee you will say, you don't know me. I'm going to just do my life. You have no idea. My, I'm different. And that's fine. You are going to have to learn through, through experiences. But I hope this sits in your subconscious somewhere deep down so when something does happen it gets triggered and comes back up and you are able to at least think about your actions before you take an action yeah yes very true I the fact that you mentioned boundaries brought to mind um I was after work today because I have summer hours 
I just kind of fell asleep on and had a nap, um, which was really great. And lately my sister has been calling me before she goes to work and after she gets home from work, which has been really delightful. And previously I had been somebody who doesn't answer the phone because I'm just, I, I genuinely used to not have time when I was working full time and going to school full time. I didn't have time unless I could plan out ahead of time. Like this is, I'm going to set this half an hour aside to talk to somebody Aside from that, I would not answer the phone. I never fucking answered answer the phone for anybody. Not mm-hmm. my parents, not my grandma. Like, I just didn't have time I, unless I had scheduled a call. And so now that I don't have that, I still had those habits of not picking up the phone. But slowly but surely, I've, like, worked my way into, like, being responsive to my sister because she's here. And, like, we are each other's people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now she'll call me, like, before work and after work. And I've expressed to her in a joking way, like, wow, it's really crazy. I used to never answer the phone and now I'm talking to you every day. So she backed off a little and then I brought up to her, you know, why, why aren't you calling at me anymore? Um, and she was like, well, I didn't want you to like get annoyed that I was calling you so much. And I was like, no, I was getting used to trying to train myself to do that because it's important to me. So anyway, she called me this afternoon when she got off of work and woke me up from my nap. And inevitably, I also have been like trying to stay hydrated. So I had to pee with the, like, she woke me up, and then I realized I had to pee, so I, like, went to go to the bathroom and expressed that to her. I was like, yeah, I've got to pee, and she was like, I'm going to let you go. Like, I'm going to get off the phone, and I was like, you just woke me up from my nap, and now I simply have to pee, and you're not going to stay on the phone with me, and she was like, yeah, no, which I was, like, in the moment, because I was groggy, annoyed about, but then I also was like, that's okay. That is her boundary. She's expressing that she just got off of her, like, stressful day of work and doesn't want to listen to my pee stream on the phone that seems fine like I was annoyed because I was just like what we're sisters get over it like whatever um but it's important because it also is like I'm not gonna start pushing her limits just because it like is funny to me or because Mm -hmm. like I think I now deserve this because she woke me up from my nap Mm -hmm. the the right thing to do is like respect the fact that she's expressed the limit Without getting angry. She Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to get off the phone. Call me when you're done. And, like, isn't mad about it. That's that's a healthy way to say, like, you know, recognize where exactly it is your responsibility to, like, express how you feel and where it's your responsibility to just listen to how the other person feels. That you don't have to interject. You don't have to put yourself first. You can just listen to what the other person says and validate that for them. Yeah. I love that for everyone. I love love that that for the world. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, in a non, I won't put an antidote with this story, but one thing that I've been working on is I'm very good at telling people they can have space and that I will give them space. And then I'm just working on not getting mad at them when they take the space that I have told them that they can have. Yeah. Because that triggers insecurities in me and then I act out of um ego instead of (laughs) rationally thinking I told you you could have space but I didn't think you wanted space yes yeah and yeah it's it's very valid to ask for space to give space it's very healthy if I'm getting preachy now too um well, it's the thing that, like, if somebody is asking you for something, it's probably not because they're just going to, like, ditch you and, like, yeah, you know, it's, that they dislike It's you. not about you, always. I mean, there are toxic people, and there are people who are toxic together, and that is a hard, hard lesson to learn Yes, is your triggers and people who trigger your triggers. Yes. Um, it is just helpful to think, like, yeah, this might not be about me, and that's okay. Like, yes. Because then also when you learn about other people, you're also learning about yourself in that way too. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to make it about you to learn about yourself. Yeah. Also, just all of that being said, once you do learn about yourself, you know your triggers, you know it's not about you, toxic behaviors and toxic traits, you no longer put up with. Because yes. you, one, are not engaging in them, so they do not escalate to escalade <laughs> yes and they yeah. 
riding around in my Escalade. Just kidding. I don't have a car. I have a bike. Anyways, the situation does not escalate because you know who you are and you know where you're coming from and you are comfortable in yourself. Yeah. And you can communicate frustrations without triggering maybe another person's um, insecurity. I think that's like the biggest thing with triggering relationships, out, not just romantic relationships. A lot of friendships can be very triggering and toxic, but yeah. it is constantly setting off insecurities in the other person, constantly. And instead of talking about it and either of you being self-aware and knowing who you are and knowing your boundaries and knowing that recognizing if someone is getting frustrated or reacting in some way that it might not be about you and that's fine you don't have to make it about you yeah and it should also be relieving too yeah like then you get to just sit and listen to what the other person has to say you don't have to like overanalyze what you're doing yeah and that's a beautiful thing too yeah uh and if somebody is trying to make it about you that's another like toxic behavior that I think a lot of people do. They project because mm-hmm. they don't want it to be about them. But yeah. when you're in that healthy place with yourself, which I'm acting like I've been here for years, I just arrived at this destination in, I don't know, May when I did therapy. So yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it, and sometimes we arrive and we're just there for a weekend trip and we go back and that's okay. Yeah. As long as you can broach the idea that, like, you're there. Yes, exactly. But yeah. once you can recognize when someone is projecting as well. So yeah. it is so much easier to de-escalate, or should I say de-escalate. de-escalate. <laughs> it's so much easier to de-escalate the situation when you are in that space. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a journey. And, you know, we're going full circle. Not full circle. We're going 180 from what we said earlier about people maturing early on. It's it's all on a spectrum. You can't see my hands, but I'm doing a big swirly it's motion. Of, yeah. of, like, there's a lot it's going like a on. twister. It's like, yeah. Everyone is on a journey. And everyone should be on a journey. You should be trying to be more self-aware constantly. It doesn't matter if you're 13, 30, or 300. You should be trying to get to know yourself better. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like recommend to listen to would be the podcast Dope Labs. There's an episode that they have on friendship that was really, really wonderful. Oh. Um, oh, can I do another podcast recommendation? Absolutely. Any Brene Brown podcast oh, or yes. book, anything you want to listen to. She has an amazing voice. Like, listen to it. Read her books. Listen to her TED Talks. Any Brene Brown piece of anything that she puts out. And Twitter. So, if you just want yeah. to follow her on Twitter, do it. She is so great. Yeah. Another I think person that she applies to a lot of people, too. I think yeah. she reaches a pretty wide range of experiences she does she so just I'll tell you a little bit about her she is a researcher in shame and vulnerability and she started by talking to um companies I think but she um she would go into companies and talk about like shame and vulnerability with them and how like leadership plays into that and how company culture plays into that. Um, but she has just, I would say blown up, but I, maybe I'm just late to the game. I don't know, but, um, she is just amazing. I love her. She's has a new podcast that came out, um, this winter, just in time. It came out in March, just in time this for COVID, quarantine. Yeah. And yeah. for me to decide to start therapy and yeah. get on a healthy track. Heck um, yeah, girl. Anyways, love Brene Brown. That's my other, that's my podcast recommendation. Okay. This has been so fun. I think we're ending on a positive note. We went through our therapy corner. 
We should call it something other than corner. Trampoline. That was the first thing I thought of. We went on the <laughs> therapy trampoline. Um, and now, and then we went to the, um, we're losing it. It's almost 11. Okay. You gotta go. <laughs> Let's Thank talk. you for listening. We Thanks will for be listening. talking about, um, 1984 next week. Who's that written by Orson Welles? Yes, by Orson Welles. We just thought it was very relevant um, because we are very scared for the future of democracy in this country. Yay! I I don't think that's a very controversial thing to say. I think that's honestly... That's 100% true. That's like the least hot take that I've had all podcasts. That is just a factual... Yes. So, anyways... um, Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week, you guys. Bye. Bye.